Well, today we are in uh, the third week of a sermon series on the topic of generosity. And every year uh, during this season, we have our one topical sermon series of the year. And uh, we call this season Feast. And that is partly because uh, these four sermons lead up to a uh, party that we have together as a church. It's on June 4th. Our church has uh, rented out. Woo! has uh, rented out Bellwood Acres, and we're going to, uh, after church, go there, and we're going to have food and fellowship and kids playing, and it's going to be a great time together. I hope you all come and, and make it a priority to be there on, on June 4th. Um, but we also call it Feast because it's a time where we reflect on our community and what our community is about. So last year during this sermon series, we went through the five core values of our church, grace, truth, hospitality, formation, and kingdom. And this year, we're, we're reflecting on what does it mean to be a generous community, and specifically in three different areas of our time, being generous with our time, our treasure, and our talent. So we looked at our time last week. This week, we're talking about being generous with our treasure, and we're going to be studying a really beautiful passage tucked away in Deuteronomy 14, and so I'm excited for us to study it together. So you can follow along right there in your bulletin if you don't have a Bible with you. Deuteronomy 14, starting in verse 22, this is the word of the Lord. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you so that you're not able to carry the tithe, and when the Lord your God blesses you, uh, because uh, the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then... You shall turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. And you shall not neglect the Levite who's within your towns, for he has no portion or an inheritance with you. Uh, at the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion uh, or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. The grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word that speaks to every area of our lives. And Lord, we long for your wisdom, your grace, for the gospel to, to shape everything about our lives. And, and particularly as we think about money and possessions, uh, we want you to be our guide. And Lord, we have seen how you have provided for each of us. And so, Lord, our hearts trust you as we hear your holy word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today we are uh, looking at an Old Testament passage about tithing. And the word tithe means literally a tenth. 
And as we get into this passage, you'll see that the instructions in the Old Testament about tithing are quite uh, complicated. Uh, the laws of ancient Israel don't uh, perfectly map onto our situation now in the, in the age of the church. But John Frame, who's a, a favorite theologian of mine, has said that in his experience, when people become Christians, one of the early questions they ask is they say, I, I love Jesus, I love his kingdom, and I feel like I need to rethink how I use my money, and I need some guide for how I give to Jesus and to his kingdom with my money. And uh, Frame says that there really isn't a better guiding principle than the tenth than the tithe, that that's the place to start, that just as you give one in seven of your time to the Lord, keep the Sabbath day holy, we give one in ten uh, a, a tithe to the Lord as well. And my experience is that this discipline is extremely important in our spiritual development as we learn what it means to say to God, my whole life is yours. Not just a tenth of my life, but all of my life is yours. This is how I express that. And so as we look at Deuteronomy 14 together, I'd like to just answer uh, three simple questions for us this morning. And this is what they are. What is the tithe? How was it used? And how does the tithe apply to our own lives? Three questions for us. What is the tithe? How was it used? And how does the tithe apply to our own lives? And I should just say, if you're visiting with us this morning, you've happened to come on a Sunday where we're, we're talking about money this morning. And, you know, it's important for us that you know that our highest priority for you here would be that you would come to know the love and grace of Jesus Christ. That, that is what we care most about. Uh, nonetheless, we are a community that talks about everything. There's no part of human life that God's word leaves untouched, including money. And so uh, we're not in the least embarrassed to have you here listening in to our community and how this community functions and how it works. And I think this is a great passage to learn about how a church community functions. So we're glad that you're here. So three questions today from Deuteronomy 14. And the first is this, is what is the tithe? What is the tithe? Now, the book of Deuteronomy that this passage was taken from is, uh, was written on the, the banks of the Jordan River by Moses. And uh, this is after a 40-year period where the people of Israel had been wandering in the wilderness. Uh, Moses had led them out of slavery. They were slaves in Egypt. Moses freed them from slavery. They passed through the Red Sea, and then they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. And now they're about to enter into the promised land, which is on the other side of the Jordan River. And they're about to cross over the Jordan into the promised land. And so the book of Deuteronomy is basically God saying, I want to describe to you what your life is going to be like when you get into the land. This is how I want you to live. And uh, in, in the ancient world, it would have been common for a landowner to have tenants that oversaw his land. And the tenants would give to the landowner a portion of the produce that came from the land to show the landowner, this is your land. And so that's what the tithe was. You see it there in verse 22 where it says, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. So God is essentially saying to them, the land that you're about to enter is my land and you are the tenants there. And as a token that recognizes that I'm the owner of the land, I want you to bring me a tenth of the produce that comes from it. Now, you might ask, well, okay, that has to do with the promised land, that little piece of 
of land in, in Palestine, and how does that relate to us? We're not, we didn't go and live in the promised land. Well, it turns out when you come to the New Testament, it's not that the land promises of the Old Testament disappear, it's that the land promises expand. So, for example, in Romans uh, 4.13, it says that when God made his promise to Abraham, it wasn't just that he would be the heir of the land, it's that he would be the heir of the whole world. And that's actually what Jesus uh, says also in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5.5. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The land promises expanded to the whole earth. And so a tithe is now a way of saying it's not just that the promised land belongs to God, but the whole earth is his. And God's intention is that through the tithe, his people would learn about him more deeply. You notice that little phrase at the end of verse 23? That you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. The tithe is there to train us. It has a spiritual impact on us to train us to revere God and to understand his wisdom and his majesty and his power and his control over all things. That's how we learn about it is through this spiritual discipline of the tithe. And what exactly does the tithe teach us about God? Well, two things. First, it teaches us God's ownership of everything. We already mentioned that, but it means that my possessions are not my possessions. It's not, I don't, this isn't my wealth. My paycheck isn't mine. My home isn't mine. My car isn't mine. Everything I have has been entrusted to me by the one who owns everything. And who I am is I'm a money manager that basically has been entrusted to use God's possessions the way that he has called me to use them. And there will be an accounting for if I've used them faithfully. The, so first, it teaches us God's ownership of everything. But second, it also teaches us about God's generosity. The tithe teaches us about God's generosity. Because, you know, we think that since God owns everything, he's, he's like a greedy landowner. And he's going to impose this unbearable tax upon us. And because that's what all the other landowners in the ancient Near East did, is they would impose these taxes on the people and they would, you know, make them give of all their produce but instead, what does God do in this passage? Look at verse 23. And before the Lord your God in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock. God says, I want a portion of your produce, but you're going to eat it. I want you to enjoy it. I want you, this is for you. I'm going to give it back to you, which is an amazing thing. And of course, why would God, why does he do that? Why does he give the tithe back to Israel and say, I want you to eat it and to enjoy it? Well, it's because he doesn't need it. God is not hungry. He doesn't need the food. It's not like he's asking stuff from us because he needs it uh, or that he's greedy. Psalm, Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So even though the Lord intends for at least a portion of the tithe to be returned to the people, he still wants them to go through the process of giving it because through that process, he teaches them who he is. So what is the tithe? It's a portion of our, the produce, that, uh, a tenth of the produce that God's people brought to the Lord to acknowledge that all that they have is his. Now, something that's important to recognize about this passage is that in ancient Israel, there were actually multiple tithes. There wasn't just one tithe. And actually, in this passage, we read about three different 
tithes. So there's first the festival tithe. That's the one I just talked about where he says, okay, I want you to bring a tenth of all your produce and then you're all going to eat it. You're going to have a party and you're going to have a festival with it. So there's the festival tithe. But then there's the Levitical tithe was the second tithe. Do you see that there in verse 27 where it says, and you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns for he has no portion or inheritance with you. So the Levites in ancient Israel, those were the pastors, basically. And, uh, and this is a reference to Numbers 18, that when the promised land, you know, they're about to go into the promised land, and there's the 12 tribes of Israel, and they're all given a piece of the promised land as an inheritance, except for Levi, the pastors, because they're kind of spread out through all the people in all the towns. They need pastors. And so all the people are to take a tenth of their produce to provide the living for the pastors that, care, that do their spiritual care. So you've got the festival tithe, you've got the Levitical tithe, and then there's a third tithe that, you, that is the tithe that's given to the poor. The tithe for the poor. And it's only given every three years. You see what it says in verse 28. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner the fatherless and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work, uh, all the work of your hands that you do. And so this is a tithe for the poor. So you have three tithes, the festival, the Levitical, and the tithe for the poor. And that means that in some years, there was as much as 30% of their produce was to be given away. And actually, on top of that, the farmers, when they harvested their fields, they were supposed to only pass over their fields one time. And any fruit, you know, that was left on the vine, they were supposed to leave so that the poor could come into the fields and find, get, glean whatever was left over. And so you might hear all that and say, so are you saying that we're expected to give away 30% of our income? Well, the answer is it's complicated, and part of the reason for that is because there's not an exact parallel between us as the church and ancient Israel. Israel was a church-state nexus. It was like the church and the state were combined into one. And I think it's fair to say that some of this social safety net that's described in this passage of caring for the poor, the sojourners, the widows is comparable to the safety nets that, that we pay taxes to, to care for our neighbors in, in our society. And so someone might hear that and say, well, wow, I pay a lot of taxes. Maybe I don't need to tithe now because I've already paid my taxes. And well, the Bible doesn't say that either because obviously the government doesn't pay salaries for you know, pastors and, and church staff. The government doesn't buy us a church building. Uh, they don't, the government doesn't provide festivals or community life uh, for us. And even the care for the poor, that all began by social programs started by the church. And now it's been taken over by the government. And that's a question we have to say. Do we want all of the care for the poor to be done by the government? Or should, do we want some of that happening back in the church? And actually, during the time of Malachi, later in Israel's history, Israel was living under the, uh, the governance of the Persians at that time. And they were paying taxes to the Persians. They were paying uh, tribute. And yet in Malachi 3.10, the Lord says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And, there, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the window of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more seed. 
And so they were still called to, to bring the tithe. And, you know, just this, uh, one point about that verse. The, the Old Testament never says that we give God a tithe as if we're being generous and giving him something. It's always we bring a tithe because he already owns it. It's already his, and he has called us to bring to him what is already his. And just so we know that that's true in the New Testament as well, Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees that they should be tithing, even though they were living under the governance of the Romans. You know, he says, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, and to God what is God's. What all this means is that despite all the complexity surrounding the tithe and the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the principle of one in ten should not be dismissed by Christians today. In the same way that one in seven is a guide for our work and our time and our worship, one in ten is a guide for our money as well. And one of the reasons why I think the tithe applies to us today is really a second question. So we look at what is the tithe. Second question is, how was the tithe used? How, in Deuteronomy 14, was the tithe used? And there are three main purposes for the tithe that we see in this passage, okay? The first is, the tithe was used to form community. The tithe was used to form community. The Lord tells them to take the tithe and throw a giant party with it. You see how it's described in this passage, verse 26? And spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord and rejoice you and your household. It's a great picture where the Lord says, I want you to come to my house and I want you to buy food that you love and I want your children all playing around and I want you before me just feasting together and having a community. And he's like, that's what I want you to do with the tithe. And you might wonder, well, do we do that? Well, that's exactly what June 4th is. So come to, come to June 4th, Bellwood Acres. Actually, it comes from this text why we do that. It's because God wants us to gather together and children playing, and it delights him to see us blessed as a community. And our, our elders in our church have you know, said a couple years ago that one of the main things that we do as a church is form community. We live in a culture that has an epidemic of loneliness, and, and many of you feel, we feel it. We are a part of that culture. And so one of the things we need to do is form community for people, and this is part of how we do it. And you might hear that and say, great, I'll just tithe by throwing parties. And that sounds fun. You should throw parties, and you should do that. But that's only the first use of the tithe. And so how else is the tithe used? Well, first, so form, for forming community, second... The tithe is used to pay the church staff. And you notice twice there is mentioned, there's mention of the Levites. Verse 27 says, And you shall not neglect the, the Levite who is in your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. And then again in verse 29, And the Levite. And the Levites were ordained to serve in the tabernacle and to help the priests who brought the sacrifices uh, to the Lord. And the... the um, the book of Numbers says that a full tithe was to be given to the Levites to provide for them as they gave their life to serving the Lord. And you'll notice how the passage says, the Levites within your towns. And so your tithe went to your Levites, not just the Levites generally, but you had certain Levites who were caring for you. And, and they would go on shift, and they would go work at the tabernacle, and they'd do the sacrifices, and then they'd come off shift, and they would come home, and they would act as pastors, and they would be teaching people, and they were mixed in into all the towns. 
Those were your Levites. And this is one reason why I believe that people should give their full tithe to a local church. It's because, you know, I've heard Christians who will talk about, yeah, well, I give away 10% of my income, and I give 1% to my local church, and then I have nine other things that I give 1% to each of them. And, of course, that comes from a heart to say, I love God's kingdom, and I want to bless the work of God's kingdom. But there's one reason why that doesn't work, is it's really a practical matter. This is saying that God has a vision for how this community is going to function. There is a certain amount of care that the Lord wants you all to have. And there's a certain amount of people that it requires in order for you to receive that care. And so if everyone in the church says, you know, I'm going to give 3% to my church and I'm going to give 7% somewhere else, then we have a third of the staff that Jesus wants calling on people, praying for people, reaching out to you when you're, you're having a hard time. And it's not only that, you know, that puts a strain on the current staff, but it's more of a thing is you won't receive the spiritual care that God intends. And sometimes I think uh, people can have the mentality where they say, well, you know, it seems like the church is making budget. I see that we're making budget. Why? Maybe you don't need my money and I'll give it somewhere else. Well, it's a little chicken in the egg because how is the budget written? It's written based on how much people give. I and mean, we can't write a budget beyond, that wouldn't be responsible. And so actually, our church is in budget writing season right now. We have a finance committee. And they, they had over $200,000 of, of ministry that leaders wanted to do in our church, but they can't do. because. So if someone's thinking, well, you're meeting budget, we would have a different budget if, if, depending on, on the giving. And this is really, this is something really to internalize about tithing to your church is who ends up benefiting from it. It's you all. That's what we talked about that last week. That's how generosity always works with the Lord is he gives you these gifts and then you give them back to him and then he turns around and gives them back to you. It's a cycle of generosity. That is the picture, the vision that God has. And I just, you know, one more practical thing. I, it's important for you all to know that this community does not receive one dollar from our denomination. You know, I know some people come into a church and say, I don't know where you get all these buildings and pay the church staff. They, they must be some people off somewhere that has a big chunk of money that pays for it. There's zero. This is 100% crowdsourced, like you all make this community happen. And it's, it's also important to know that statistically, most churches, there's 20% of the congregation who tithes, and the rest of the community benefits from that tithing. And so we need to know this is our family. We're all a family here. And of course, I think we should give to uh, things beyond our local church. That's what I've always done. Is I, I give a tithe to my local church, and then I give to uh, other ministries beyond that as well, or people that are in need beyond that. And so, uh, and so how's the tithe used? Two things we see so far is first is for forming a community. And one of the key ways that communities are formed is by the paying of, of people who give their lives to serving that community. But there's a third use for the tithe we see in this passage is that the tithe is used to care for the poor. The tithe is used to care for the poor. And you see that in the end of, of verse 29 there. It says, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. 
And that triad there, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, is common in the Old Testament as the most vulnerable people in a society, the most destitute in in Israelite society. And it's hard to overstate the significant how, uh, how much of an innovation this passage is in human history. Uh, the na- nations in the ancient Near East who had written laws had nothing like this. This is utterly unique to the Bible. And one commentator puts it this way. He says, we might call this the beginning of real social legislation. It represents the first known tax for a social program. With it, those who were landless and socially weak received a sure support, which was guaranteed by law and public oath to bring agricultural produce. And so it's important for us to recognize if you're a person who has a social conscience, you know, a sense that you care about the weak or the marginalized, the poor, that they should be cared for. Historically speaking, that's not, we think that way not because we're such good-natured people. That's not, it's historically, humans are not good-natured. The only reason we think that way is because of the tradition of the Bible has been passed down into our culture. And that kind of thinking did not start until there were passages like this one that was devoted to the tithe. The tithe is the beginning of, you know, shared uh, care for the poor. And actually, this passage, we don't read into the, the, the passage that comes next in Deuteronomy 15, is one of the most beautiful pictures of care for the poor anywhere in the Bible. And again, if you have a thought, well, you know, this is an Old Testament passage. The Old Testament doesn't apply to us anymore. The paragraph that follows this one in Deuteronomy 15, verse 4, says these words. There shall be no poor among you. And that passage is referenced in the book of Acts, describing the early church. In Acts 4.34, it says there was not a needy person among them. And basically it's saying that the vision of Deuteronomy is finally fulfilled in the church, the spirit-filled church gathered around the person of Jesus. So how is the tithe used? Community life through meals, feasts, and parties, paying ministry leaders and church workers, and caring for the poor. And it's important to understand that all these aspects of ancient Israelite life are still a part of the church's life today. We haven't moved on or or changed those things. The only thing that's changed is we now have an added financial responsibility to send missionaries to the nations of the world. And so, if anything, we have more need to, to give and more financial needs. So it's important for us to ask this question. Can we do the mission Jesus has given to us without tithing? The answer is clearly no. We cannot do the mission Jesus has given to us without tithing. Our wealth has been entrusted to us by God to be used by him to make communities like this one. And we have to recognize that as a church family. And so that raises this next point for us is how do we apply the tithe into our own lives? How do we apply the tithe into our own lives? And if you're a a person where tithing is currently not a part of the practice of your life, and uh, you may be in very different situations. Um, Some of you may have plenty of money, and you're simply not bringing the Lord's tithe to his house. And if, if that's you then the application of this passage is to tell the Lord to confess and say, Lord, I have been tight-fisted with the money you've entrusted to me, and that is my greed, and I'm sorry for this. 
And of course, he will forgive you. The blood of Jesus covers all of our sins. And then to say, Jesus, I want to follow you and obey you. And I want to trust you. I do trust you. And then to start bringing your offering. But some of you might say, that's not me. I'm not the person with plenty of money and I'm just not bringing it. I would say I could not even see where a 10% could come out of I barely making it month to month. And how could I now come up with an extra 10% to bring to the Lord? And I'll tell you, I have some mixed feelings about that because on the one hand, this passage clearly has a care for the poor. You know, the tithe is going to the poor to care for them or the people that are in need. And but I'll also say this. I was talking to my discipleship group. We, we had read a book last quarter about, um, about giving. And at one point, I had said, well, you know, when people don't tithe, I usually try to tell them, well, start with a portion. If you can't do 10%, do 3% or 5% or 7%. And you, know, you can work your way up. And I was surprised this group of men who have a, you know, varied incomes, varied incomes and life experience, they all said, but the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says a tithe. And as hard as that's for me to say, I would tell you that's my personal experience. When I was a graduate student, I had two kids. I was a, uh, um, a TA at the University of Washington. I was making nothing. And there was a guy in my church who said, why do you think just because you're not making much, you don't need to obey what the Lord says? And so we started tithing with hardly anything, and we've done that ever since. I will tell you, the Lord has always provided for us. And everyone who I've ever talked to, I've never met anyone who said the Lord didn't provide for me. I've literally never met anyone. I've met known Christians, thousands of Christians throughout my life. It's an amazing thing. I was talking to John Brodhagen, who's our new director of operations. He was telling me about his old church. They'd had a challenge, and he'd say, well, try tithing for 90 days. And see what happens. See if the Lord provides for you. And see, if it, see what happens. And my experience as a pastor is there are poor Christians all over the world that are way poorer than us. That would, it would be unthinkable for them to not tithe. They're like, how are you, you going to live? Then you're going to really be poor if you're not bringing the Lord to tithe. And that's how they would think. And so it's a real challenge to us. Why would God want us to do this? It's because woven into the tithe is the gospel. Look at the elements that are present in this passage. What do they remind you of? Verse 23. You shall eat the tithe of your grain and your wine. It's the bread and wine. He said, I want you to come to my table. I'm leading you to Christ through this tithe. And then he talks about the Levites. And among the Levites were the priests. Who's our priest here? It's Jesus is our high priest. The tithe leads us to him. And then you look at who's being cared for by the tithe, the, the sojourner and the fatherless and the widow, the exact people that Jesus cared, cared for, the outsider that he went to. The tithe creates a gospel culture that immerses us in the grace of Jesus. And that's what God wants for us, a whole world and a community that we get to live in that is saturated with the grace of Jesus. So even though the tithe is complex, ultimately, it is our act of saying to God, all that I have is yours, and you take care of me and provide for me. And God takes our tithes and basically gives them back to us in the form of a community and Levites who care for us, and he gives to those in need. But all of this is so that our lives are immersed 
in the grace of Jesus. And when we realize how generous he's been with us, we want to become like our generous Father in heaven. And that's his hope for us in the tithe. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you for the beautiful vision of Deuteronomy and the community life that you want for your people and with Jesus at the center. And Lord, I uh, uh, pray for us, Lord, you know how each of us, we struggle with a love for money. I see it in my own heart. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would wash us and that we would have hearts that trust you and that we would know that you are open-handed to us, that you give us all that we need and that we would find as we offer back to you what you've given to us, we would see how you bring it back to us in abundance. And so uh, we pray for this wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen.